0: just outside of Philippi in modern day Greece and this particular area plays a huge role in Paul's ministry. As Proverbs says, we, we try to plan our way but God ultimately determines our steps but we have to trust him. And that's what we find Paul doing here. He, he really desperately wanted to go to another region of the world but the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit kept preventing him so he came to Philippi. one sabbath he came to this area to pray to spend time with God and he found some women a woman named Lydia in particular who was in the business of selling high-end purple fabrics and Paul couldn't help himself he he shared the story of Jesus with her and this woman Lydia became Paul's very first convert here in Europe and the reason I'm standing in this setting by this river is because he had the privilege of baptizing her and her entire family right here because he was faithful to share his story even in a place of disappointment he was able to baptize this woman help her to find Jesus in this place those many years ago Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment is the only reason Paul found himself in this city we're looking at this weekend called Philippi. And yet, though he experienced disappointment after disappointment, unlike the normal human reaction that we have to circumstances like that. He didn't allow it to fill him with despair. He didn't allow it to turn him away from God and fill him with doubt. He didn't allow it to defeat him. Though he didn't understand what God was doing, he trusted the God that was doing. This is so important because we're not going to understand what God does He's too much bigger than we are. We're not going to respond the, the things that God doesn't do. We're not going to understand it. But He's so much bigger than we are, we just have to keep trusting. That's what we find Paul doing in Philippi. He believed with all of his heart, though God was detouring him from his dreams, that God was guiding him, and that God was good, and that God was right. And so Paul in his disappointment, remained faithful. And as a result, God was able to use him. In fact, as a result, God was able to use him to reach this woman, Lydia, who became a huge influence for faith. But God used Paul then to reach a multitude of people there. And ultimately, as we'll see, Philippi became a Christ center in the world of that day. And it was because Paul didn't allow disappointment to defeat him. And so, as I stood in the city and kind of retraced his story and understood what he experienced and why he experienced it, I, I was forced to kind of deal with the truth that I'm going to share with you this weekend, because I, I find myself very often heavily influenced by disappointment. I, I'm one of these human beings that comes with all kinds of expectations um, that I lay over on God and and feel like he should live up to my expectations, but in so doing, all I'm saying is that really my agenda is more important than yours, God, and what I think is what you should think, and it really messes up my choices and my journey, and so so this truth just came alive for me in Philippi. Though we can feel as human beings disappointed with God, and we do and we will, God is never disappointing us. I mean, there are so many times when I feel disappointment with God, but those are my human, frail feelings. They're not the truth. The truth is God is never disappointing us. When I'm disappointed with God, I'm feeling like He's He's making a mistake. I feel like He's failing me. I feel like He's missing out on the story of my lives. I feel like He's not watching or paying attention, but all of that is wrong. On the contrary, God is never missing anything, and God is always seeking to lead me in perfect alignment with His perfect will where I'll ultimately experience the perfection of His fullness in my life." And so though I can be disappointed with God, he is never disappointing me. And the same is true for you. And boy, does Paul prove this. I just want want you to see how time and time again, and it's so illustrated in what happens in Paul's life in this city, how time and time again he was dealt a hand that gave him disappointment, and yet he still trusted. Here's another one. This is the site where I'm probably more challenged to start trusting God when it, when it seems like he's disappeared than any other. had experienced disappointment after disappointment, redirection after redirection, and he was trying to faithfully fulfill his call here in Philippi, and he was thrown into this prison with his partner Silas, and, you know, when we get disappointed, we start complaining and whining, and what they did is they kept trusting, and see, that's when God can use us, and they just were worshiping God, even though they were in prison. It seemed like everything was at an end, but they kept worshiping God, and I mean, right where I am, I could have, if I was here during that night, heard his voice ringing in worship. God did something special on that night. He, he sent an earthquake which opened the prison cell, but instead of running for his life, he stayed and he shared Jesus with the Philippian jailer, and that man and his whole family came to faith. And the ultimate consequence was that the city became Christian. There are remnants now of huge churches, even by American standards. And it all happened because Paul and Silas were willing to trust God, even when it seemed like everything was falling apart, even when they didn't understand. He had dreams of going somewhere else, and God allowed his dreams to be detoured in this place called Philippi, and so rather than being driven by despair and defeat, he used this disappointment as just another way to trust God, and he started sharing Jesus in this city, and people started finding Jesus and good news and forgiveness and hope, and as a reward of, of him trusting God, even in his disappointment, then as you read the story in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas were flogged, they were scourged, which means they were beat with a leather whip with lead tips or bones on the end of that that tore the skin right off their body, and then they were thrown in that moist and dark and dank prison and put in stocks. And it was at that point you'd think, well, you know, disappointment, 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 disappointment. Maybe it's time to get a little despair and a little defeat going on. But, but what they did instead was they started singing hymns of worship to God. They were disappointed with God, I guarantee you. They were human beings. They were in pain. They didn't understand what God was doing or why He was doing it, but they decided they didn't need to understand what God was doing or why He was doing it. He was God, and they weren't, and they were going to trust Him. They trusted Him. They didn't just say they trusted Him. They sang songs of worship to Him. I mean, it just blows me away. Paul was consistent in experiencing disappointment after disappointment, but continuing to trust God, which is why his life became such an impact to so many lives and still for us today. In fact, while he was in a Roman prison facing death, another prison, another season of disappointment, he actually took time to write a letter to the believers who found Jesus in Philippi. And We now call it the book of the Philippians. He wrote it while facing death in a Roman prison. And look at what he wrote to them in Philippians chapter 1, just a couple of verses. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, pain after pain after pain, prison after prison after prison, prison, has served to advance the story of Jesus in the world, the good news. And so, I will continue to rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't tend to rejoice in disappointment. Do you? When things go wrong, when God seems not to be watching, when my dreams are detoured into all kinds of difficult challenges. I don't tend to rejoice. But he's saying, look at, I live to share Jesus, and all these disappointments have lived for the story of Jesus to expand and grow, and so I'm going to, even here in prison, facing my death, continue to rejoice. And then look what he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help given me by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me, all these disappointments, will turn out for my deliverance. Now, if we could stop there just for a minute, because when I first read this passage a long, long time ago, I said, oh, he thinks that all the people praying for him is going to bring about his deliverance. Everything will be okay in the end. All of his dreams will ultimately be put back on the table, and life will be okay, and everything's going to work out for him, because if people are praying, and he's praying, and if he has enough faith, then even though he's in disappointment right now, God's going to work it all out and in the end, he'll live happily ever after. That's what deliverance means, right? But that's not what he's saying at all here, because you have to read further. He's saying, I'm going to continue to rejoice, for I know that because of your prayers and because God's Spirit is there, God's present with me, that what's happened is going to turn out for my deliverance. And then this is what he means by that. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. I'm not going to blow it. I'm not going to mess up now. But instead, we'll have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or, what's that word? Whoa! When he was talking about being delivered, he was saying, any way God chooses to work in my life, I'm going to trust and believe it's for my deliverance, whether it's by life or death. And then look what he says. I mean, this puts it all in perspective. Philippians 1 verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So to live in Christ is to be delivered. To die in Christ is to be delivered. Wow, that sounds a lot like Christianity in America today, doesn't it? where we're told if you have enough faith, everything will go right. If you have enough faith, everything you ask for will come true. If you have enough faith, happily ever after, that's how you're going to live. Wrong. If you have enough faith, you will trust God when nothing goes right and life is filled with disappointment because God is God. That's where He's at. It's a whole different kind of thing. If you're looking for God to be a genie in the, body, you're, by the bottle, you're going to have to make up a different God that's in the Bible. We have to trust Him to be God, knowing that we're not. And you know what Paul did? Paul was living… Uh, we, have a, we have the Bible, right? And we're, We look into the Bible and we're believing these promises. These are God's words spoken to us. Well, Paul too had the Bible. It was just the Old Testament at the time. And he would look back to what God had promised, and, and he would live it in the name of Jesus. And you know what he's doing in, in that jail in Philippi when he's worshiping God in the midst of disappointment? You know what he's doing in Philippi when he keeps trusting God even though he's been detoured from his dreams? He's, he's just living out Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, "'Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding.'" in all your ways acknowledge him and hey god's going to deliver you he's going to make your path straight as crooked as they might seem to you when you don't understand just keep trusting god when you're disappointed with god trust that he's not disappointing you he's not failing you he's not making a mistake and that's what paul and silas did in philippi in fact paul wrote his own version of this he as he was rotting in prison in rome facing his death, writing these words to those who came to faith because of his time in the city of Philippi. He wrote his own version of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You've probably heard it a lot. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And this is what Paul wrote, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Now, you know, if I'm living my dreams, you know, I'm, I'm I'm living in some resort on some mountaintop, and everything's going great, and all of my dreams have come true, and life's a fairy tale, and everything that I'm experiencing is good stuff. I can see myself saying, and we know that in all things, God's awesome. But I don't see myself in prison in Rome, and these prisons weren't like the humanitarian prisons we have today, they were holes in the ground where water erupted, and you literally were there on cement, in stocks, in water, in absolute misery. And there he wrote, and we know that in all things, even in this prison I rot in, and even in the torture I'm facing and experiencing, and even in the death I'm going to experience, we know that in all things, God works together for good… In the lives of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That's a very different kind of Christianity than most of us experience here in the 21st century. It's the Christianity that Jesus came to give us. It's the Christianity where we experience fullness not because of our circumstances, but because we're filled with the Spirit of God. It's the Christianity where we experience the promises of God, not based upon the circumstances of this world, but based upon the reality of God's eternal promises in our lives. It is God's truth alive in us. Paul is proof that when you genuinely trust God, you can be filled with hope even in the worst circumstances. I mean, that's what Paul's proof of. As I stood by that prison, I was challenged because I'm a person that likes my dreams to come true. I'm a person that kind of likes life not to be disappointing. And as I stood by that prison, I realized Paul became a great man of God because he was willing to trust God even though he experienced one disappointment after another. He had hope even in the worst circumstances. I I, I was exposed years ago to a study done by a guy named Harold Wolfe. He was a Cornell University Medical School professor, and he did studies on the effects of hope on the human body. I mean, he just wanted to know what influence does hope have on the human body. And so he he decided that he was going to look at the lives of 25,000 prisoners of war, 25,000 prisoners of war that had served as prisoners of war over an extended period of time, and he was going to look and examine their lives to see if, if they had different levels of hope and if hope made any difference in their lives, because a prisoner of war has all hope from circumstances taken away from them. They're abused, they're tortured, they're robbed of everything in life, and they don't know what's going to happen. And so he, he tried to, what, what's the role that hope might play in their lives? And what he found was that hope made all the difference. I, I remember this is Cornell University. This isn't Jesus you, okay? And he found out out of the 25,000 prisoners of war that he studied, there was only one group, a very small group of men, because prisoners of war back then were only men, only one group of men who, in spite of all the torture and the solitary confinement and the loss of time and the unknowing about their future and whether they would die or live and all the other abuses, there was only one small group that remained unaffected by the experience. And by unaffected, I mean they had uh, following the experience, they had no post-traumatic stress syndrome, they had no flashbacks, they had no mysterious illnesses, they, they had no other lingering consequences from being prisoners of war. And this group had nothing in common in life. Different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different experiences, different economic and educational opportunities, I mean different personalities. They only had one thing in common. And it's that they had unbelievably high levels of hope. Dr. Wolf concluded in a study that when a man has hope, he's capable of bearing incredible burdens and cruel punishment without any lingering consequences. But, he concluded, when hope is gone, people fall apart emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And, and the simple point is this hope is essential for life. Hope is essential. It's essential for handling the disappointments and crises that all of us are going to face as a fact of our lives. I I love how one guy said it. It's kind of a, a cute way that I can remember it. He says, you can go 40 days without food, three days without water, and eight minutes without air, but you can't go a single second without hope. When hope is gone, life is over. I just want you to remember this. You need hope. You need it. You have to have it. And this helps to explain why so many people do so many crazy and illogical things in life. This actually explains why we do so many crazy and illogical things in life. It's because we're desperate for hope. Hope is that important necessary essential element of life and so we try to find it in our circumstance i mean the relationship i have isn't working but if i had a new relationship then i could have hope and the job i have now isn't working but if i if i could have a new job then i would find hope if if i could have not this house that I thought would bring me hope, but the next house that will bring me hope. That'll do. If, if I could maybe go to a new church, I'd have hope. And have a different pastor, I'd have hope. And what we do is we, we, we're looking for hope. We're desperate for it. And when we're not finding it in one circumstance, we look at, for it in another, and we keep making crazy nuts choices in our lives. And what we're doing is we're just looking for hope. But you know what Paul shows us in the city of Philippi in that prison where he's singing out in worship, what he shows us in Rome where he's facing death and he's writing Romans 8.28, you know what he's showing us? He's showing us we can always have hope if our hope's in God, no matter what the circumstances of our lives. Do you realize that in God there's always hope for any and all of our needs in any and all of our circumstances, even in death, for me to live as Christ, to die? It's the same thing. It's hope. It's gain, he says. We just have to trust God. Here's what we learn from Paul in Philippi. We've never been anywhere that God wasn't. It was easy for Paul to worship God in, in churches, you know, in community gatherings of people because he knew God was present there. But it was also easy for him to worship in the jail in Philippi because he knew God was there. His hope wasn't in his freedom. His hope wasn't in changing circumstance. His hope was in God, and God was in prison and out of prison. You see, we've never been anywhere that God wasn't. Wherever we've been, He's been there. He's everywhere you are in the present. And and as long as you are alive, He will be everywhere you will ever be in your future. Which means whether you have a new house or not, a new job or not, or a job or not, whether you get a new church or not, or a different pastor or not, you know, whatever you're looking to, you need to know that, that you can have hope in God. This is why the Bible says if we draw near to Him, He'll draw near to us. The reason is simple. If we draw near to Him, He's near to us because He's always near to us. He's always there. I just I am so challenged by the reality that in those moments when I'm not experiencing Him, it's simply because I'm not opening my eyes to His presence. You see, we're not, we're not inviting Him into those moments of our lives where we're not experiencing him. But he's there. He's always there. And so this weekend, because it happened to me as I stood in the city of Philippi in those ancient ruins, and I rehearsed the amazing truth of Paul's life, though he was disappointed with God, he knew God was never disappointing him, that, that I decided I needed to encourage you the way that God encouraged me. And, and I need you to know, that this is for those of you who have already put your faith in Jesus, this is for believers, this encouragement, because this hope is only real for those of you who have known the reality of Jesus in your life. And If you haven't yet discovered the reality of Jesus in your life and you're not yet believing on Him, I want you to know you matter deeply to us, we care about you, we, we understand where you are because every single one of us have walked in those shoes where we weren't sure about the whole God thing, and we didn't have a relationship with God, and we weren't experiencing His promises, and there's nothing more that we would ever want for you than for you to know Jesus. But here's the reality. Even when you know Jesus, you're going to experience the disappointments of this world. I mean, Paul was thrown in prison as a follower of Jesus. He was beaten as a follower of Jesus. He was detoured as a follower of Jesus. and, and all of us are going to experience these same disappointments. And I want to encourage you in the same way he was encouraged, by, by realizing that God is in your circumstances, even if He's not authoring them. And I, I want to encourage you as a believer, just two things. The first thing I want to encourage you with is if you're a believer, you need to know that God is always watching you. And this is important to me because there are a lot of times where I feel like God's missing the good stuff, you know? And I know I think He's missing the good stuff because when I pray, I'm telling Him the stuff I think He missed. (laughs) Do you do that? I mean, I'm reporting to Him all the time. I don't know if you notice this, God, but, you know, I was nice to that person I can't stand, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know if you notice this or not, God, but things aren't really going according to plan here. and and I'm always reporting to him. And it's like, I I think he's missing it. And it's discouraging. Do you remember when you were a kid, and you did something that you were really proud of, and you immediately turned to see if mom and dad were watching? You remember? You see, it's really discouraging when you're living your life, and you think God's missing it. When you're doing your best, but you feel like he's not doing his best, it's discouraging. But what Paul taught us was that though we are disappointed with God, we feel like he's failing us, he's missing our lives. The truth is he's not disappointing us. He's there, and we have to trust him. God's always watching. Paul really believed the words that God spoke in the Old Testament. That's all he had at the time. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, he really took to heart this reality. God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God's always watching. Now, I know there are a lot of things in this world that we can't count on. I hope you notice what I said. There are a lot of things in this life you can't count on. Did you know you can't always count on people? Are you breathing? You can't always count on people. You can't always count on your health. You can't always count on jobs. You can't always count on abilities. You can't always count on dreams coming true. But we can always count on God. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. No matter what we've done or what we do, He'll never desert us. Look at Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. He's always watching us. There's tremendous hope in that reality. We never have to turn and know if He's watching. He's watching. He's not missing the events in the story, good or bad. Yes, in life, we're going to have a lot of questions. I mean, stuff is going to happen that we just don't understand. This was true in Paul's life, but as we learn from Paul in Philippi, the one thing we can always know is that God is watching over us, not blowing it. He understands, he sees, and he gets it. Be encouraged. God's watching. He cares. As believers, there's one last thing I want to encourage you with. Yes, you're going to experience disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, but you can know that not only is God always watching you, but God is always working in you, always. Now, it feels often that He's not working in me. It feels like I'm working really hard for Him and He's missing an action in my life. It's just not true. You see, it doesn't feel good when we get thrown into prison. It doesn't feel good when we get beat to a pulp. It doesn't feel good when we get betrayed. It doesn't feel good when dreams are being detoured. It doesn't feel good when life is going wrong. It doesn't feel good. Disappointment doesn't feel good. But God is bigger than a feeling, and we can know that he's always working in us. We can know it. He's there. Even, even in the worst of times, we have this hope. Of course, it's so easy to lose hope when tragedies strike. It's so easy to lose hope when unexpected tragedies take grip in our lives. But even in those times, we can have hope because God's working in us. I, I want to I rehearse for you this passage that Paul wrote, his own version of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Romans 8, 28. Paul says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, many of us have heard this verse, and quite frankly, many of us don't like to hear this verse. We don't like to hear this verse because too many people have used it as a, as a superficial cliché to throw at us in the midst of our darkest moments, where we're experiencing tragedy and crisis and darkness and pain and disappointment, and, and they come in riding their high horse of piety, and they go, Don't you know all things work together for good in Christ Jesus? And I don't know why they say it in a southern voice, but they always do. Always. While country music is playing in their stupid truck with a shotgun in the window, I don't know why that is. But they throw this thing out. God always works. As if they're always filled with hope, looking down at us and telling us how God's always doing good. Bunch of bull roar. I only said it that way because I'm in church. Here's the thing. I hate to hear this because too many people use it in such a superficial way, but, but just because people use it wrongly doesn't mean it's not true. It is true. And what I want to do this weekend is I want to take just a closer look at it to encourage you that God is always working in you and I want to just show you two things. I want to show you what this, this verse isn't saying, what it's not saying that many people think it is, and then I want to show you what it is saying so we might find the hope that we desperately need in this moment. When Paul writes this sitting in prison, he's not saying all things work out the way I want them to. And I'm going to tell you, most people who use this verse, that's what they're saying. All things work together for good. This is going to come out right. You watch. I'll get my Cadillac. You watch it. I'm going to get that promotion. You watch it. My dreams going to come true. God is not your genie in the lantern, three rubs and you get three wishes. That is not who God is. All things can work together for good when they're in God's hands but that doesn't mean all things will work out the way I want them to. Can I just tell you the truth? Almost nothing in my life works out the way I want it to. But God is still good and you can still trust Him. It does not say all things in this life will end with they lived happily ever after. Aren't you tired of fairy tale Christians? Seriously. What a load of manure. (laughs) I'm being a very good Christian today. I don't know if you've noticed this. Not inside, but what's coming out here is pretty good. This isn't, they lived happily ever after. If you're looking for happily ever after, you're looking to the wrong world. All things do not end happy here on earth. Let me just tell you something. I don't care how much faith you have and how much you read the Bible and how much you give and how much you go to church or even a good church like Northridge. (laughs) Uh, That wasn't very good. I've just gone off my horse. But here's the thing. The truth is that every sick person doesn't get well. The truth is every couple that gets married doesn't have a Cinderella ending. The truth is every child born doesn't have a wonderful life. All things don't necessarily end well or happy, and yet God is so good and can be trusted. Here's what the passage does say. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. We know it. We know it. Paul is saying we don't wish, we don't imagine, we don't delude ourselves, we don't have to have false hope, we don't have to fill our lives with new things and new places and new people and new pleasures. We, we don't have to have positive thinking about how all things are going to work together for good. On the contrary, we know they do. It's a certainty. Hope is not optimism. Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well the way we want it to. Do you know what hope is? Hope is the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out, because God makes sense. And what is it that we can know for sure? Well, Paul says it, that God causes all things to work together for good, that that God causes it. We're living in a world where where people believe in fate, and people believe in chance, and people believe in good fortune, and people believe in karma. But the truth is, it's God that will ultimately cause things to work together for good. He's the only one that can cause things to work together for good with all the bad that we're doing and others are doing in this world. He's the master designer, he's the master planner, and he's the only one who can do it. And if you don't turn to him, you'll never experience what only he can do. Paul said, I'm in prison because of the bad choices of other people, but I am going to not turn away from the only one that can design a better plan for my life out of this junk. He was going to trust God because he knew that God can cause even the bad choices of other people to produce something good. We know, he says, that God causes all things to work together for good, all things. That included being in prison, beat to a pulp in Philippi, and it includes everything you and I will ever face in life, all things. God can take all things and work them together for something good when we trust Him. That means unemployment, divorce, miscarriage, failure, unexplainable accidents and tragedies, mistakes we make in our own lives and mistakes others make that bring pain into our lives. God has the capacity to take all things when we trust Him and work them together for good. Now, I, I don't want you to misunderstand. He's not saying all things are good. All things are not good, friends. He's saying that all things, even the worst of things, God can take when we trust Him and He can design ultimate good out of it. God causes all things to work together for good. Work together. Too often I look at the individual events of my life, and I judge them on the basis of that soul event. But you know, life isn't woven together based upon one event. God takes all of the events of my life, the good, the bad, the horrific, and the beautiful, and He's able to cause them together when mixed together to produce something that is ultimately good, and so I have to trust Him in the good and in the bad. But what I want you to know that what he ultimately says is that all things God causes to work together for good in the lives of those who love him, without God, nothing will work together for good, nothing. With God, all the things of life, he can work together for good. This is a promise that comes conditionally. I can't give this promise to everybody. I can't tell each and every one of you all things are going to work together for good in your life. I can't tell you that because that would be a lie. To be honest with you, all things in most of our lives are going to work together to more and more darkness and more and more tragedy and more and more disappointment because many of us aren't willing to do what Paul did and keep trusting God in the midst of the disappointments. This is a conditional promise. It's for those who love God, who, those who are seeking to fulfill His purpose in their life. And that's available to everyone, but most won't ever love Him this way. If you're rejecting or ignoring God in your life right now, which so many people are doing, then all things are not working together for good. You're going to be sorely disappointed with the outcomes in your life. But, but if you love God and are trusting God like Paul did, He can work all the stuff in your life together for good. You see, what the Bible tells us is that the absence of God in our life is the absence of hope. And the reason so many of us are trying to fill our lives with stuff, jobs, dreams, houses, pleasure, you name it, looking for for hope and, well, if this church doesn't do it, another one will, if this person doesn't do it, another one will. And the reason we're all doing that is because we're so desperate for hope, we'll do anything to find it, but we're not finding it in the one place it exists, in God Himself, Ephesians 2.12 says, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, you were without hope because without Christ you were without God in the world. If you're living without God in your life, you're living without hope. And this is why most people are so desperate for hope, because they don't have God in their lives. I don't know what you're experiencing in life, but I do know what you need. You need God, because in Him is the hope you're so desperate for. We pray for we pray for the water we need, we pray for the air we need. We we pray for all the circumstances that we need because we think that's where hope comes from. That's not where hope comes from. There's only one thing we need and that's God and when we have him in life or in death, we have what we so desperately need to live hope. And you know what the good news is? Not everybody will love God. Not everyone will experience all things working together for good. But anyone who wants to can. Hope's available to you. Look at John 1.12. But as many as receive Jesus, God gives them the power, the right, the opportunity to become His child. All you have to do is choose Him. And when you choose Him, then all of a sudden what you find is that you've chosen what you need more than anything else, hope. I, I, I want you to know that in this world, you're going to face all kinds of circumstances that will be hopeless. And I I don't know what you're experiencing in your life today. I know that with all of these people, many of us are experiencing tragic things in our lives and crisis in our life that makes us desperate and disappointed with God. But I want to encourage you and realize God's not disappointing you. You're just doing life without Him. And though I don't know what you're experiencing, I do know you need hope. I do know you need God, and I do know you can have Him. And so the one thing I want to Encourage you to do in this moment is to receive them. I have one last thing I want to share with you, and so I hope that you'll stay with me. But before I get there, I want to make sure every one of us who chooses Jesus gets to receive him. And so I'm going to ask if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment. For those of you at our regional campuses, I want to encourage you. So glad you're here. Want to encourage you to bow with me in a word of prayer too. Maybe you're watching online. Do the same. But let's just if 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 you're looking for hope, then why not choose Jesus right now? Take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I, I believe that You died on the cross for my sin so that I could know forgiveness, and I believe that You rose again so that I could have new life. And so I confess my sin and my guilt and my shame to You right now, and I turn away from it. And by faith, I trust in Your forgiveness and Your new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I give you these last couple of encouraging thoughts, if you've just prayed with me, I just really want to encourage you. Would you let us know? We've put together some information about next steps you can take in your relationship with God. And if you're in one of our campus settings, wherever you're at, I I just want to encourage you to take out the program and just so easy, rip out the connection card, fill it out, and then check that circle at the bottom that says you prayed to receive Jesus. And then as you're leaving, wherever you're at, whatever campus you're at, at every exit is a box. Just throw it in there and we'll send you that information. And if you're watching online, check the what next button and we'll do the same exact thing for you. Now, for all of us who are here, since God and His presence are the only source for true and lasting hope, not circumstances, since we can find it in prison or out of prison like Paul teaches us, here's what I want to encourage you to do this coming week. I want to encourage you this coming week, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, to remember He's there. He's present. He's with you. He's watching don't go with your feelings, go with your faith. And I want to encourage you this week, because His presence is the only source of hope you're ever going to find, and you're only going to find that hope if you're trusting Him. I want to encourage you to, as Paul did, rely on trust in His promises. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says it better than I can, but those who hope in the Lord, not hope in the circumstances of life, but hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Well, I'm finding many of us are weary and faint, and it's simply because we're looking for hope in the wrong things, and it's time to find our hope in Him. He's watching. He's working. Let's trust Him That's what Paul did in Philippi. We know about Paul's life, this guy who went from prison to prison to prison and then was killed. We know about him for one reason. He found his hope in Jesus. And because he found his hope in Jesus, his life made a difference in this world. And if you're at all like me, you want your life to make a difference in this world you want to live a life of hope, stop looking for it in stuff and start finding it in Him because here's the truth. You're going to be disappointed with God, but He's never disappointing you. So instead of responding in despair and defeat, trust Him. And when you trust Him, you'll experience His work in you. I'm so glad you were here. At our campuses, um, and I, I, we're so thrilled that you're a part of Northridge Church and your campus pastor is going to come up and he's going to tell you about some things and then he's going to let you go and so I'm passing it off to our campus pastors and for those of you here at Northridge Plymouth I just want to thank you so much for being here you could have been home watching the Lions lose again <laughs> and instead you chose to come to church and here's the thing the Lions sometimes lose Jesus never does. I'm thrilled you came to worship him this Halloween weekend at Northridge Church. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.